This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by my main man, Gabby Urrutia. Gabby, I think we are at the key inflection point in terms of the future of the athletic department at the University of Miami and potentially the future of the football program because... Look, while we are going to spend this, you know, pretty much this entire podcast discussing a potential coaching change, it is still worth saying on the front end that, look, Manny Diaz is still technically the head coach. He's been operating that way uh, for this past week, um, which he should, and credit to him. And, and everything I've heard has been that he's been, you know, nothing but a pro in, in what is a tough situation. Um, so I understand he, he makes lots of money to, uh, operate in that regard, but I still don't think every head coach in college football would have handled this, um, in a similar way, like Manny has shown. So, um, before we jump into things here, Gabby, you know, in the last podcast, I was honest saying, look, I got a booster shot. I'm not feeling great. Now I feel like I have a, like a legit cold, right? It's cold season. So <laughs> yeah. uh, if I sound phlegmy or sick, it's because I am. Probably the stress of uh, <laughs> awkward coaching search that's like happening slash not happening doesn't help too. Um, but anyways, just wanted to be upfront and honest with that if I sound weird and or Flemmy at any point in this podcast. I'm trying. I'm gutting my way through this, Gabby, and the show must go on. So let's, uh, let's just jump into it, right? Uh, we are recording this on Friday morning, about 8 o'clock in the morning here on Friday. And it's a key day, right? I think, I think on this podcast and on the website, for those that read and consume that content on InsideTheU.com, I feel like we've done a good job of setting everything up, right? And we've been leading up to this point um, Friday because it is the Pac-12 championship game now between Oregon and Utah. So why does that matter? It matters because the presumed top target for Miami potentially making an upgrade at head coach is Mario Cristobal, right? And uh, the whole reason why Manny Diaz is is still the head coach operating in limbo, kind of twisting in the wind, is because, look, if you want to go get 
Mario Cristobal. If you want to have that conversation, you have to wait for Mario Cristobal to finish out his season, right? Um, so that will not be done until Friday night against Utah. After that, I do expect for conversations to happen uh, between Miami and Cristobal. And I do think as well, I'm, I'm of the understanding that Cristobal has kind of an offer, an extension offer on the table from Oregon. So he's going to have an option, um, two good options. It's going to be his right. decision. And uh, we'll see what he decides to do. I want this podcast, Gabby, to be kind of like a an understanding of what has led up to this point in terms of timeline. Cause I do think there's a narrative out there. Like why would Mario Cristobal leave Oregon for Miami in terms of like national narratives, does Miami have the money to go get a Mario Cristobal? Uh, Miami's athletic director search is a mess. Why would Mario Cristobal uh, come to Miami when that's the case? So I just want to explore these things, go through the timeline, debunk false narratives, all that good stuff. Does that sound good to you? Because I think yeah, man. I'm ready for it. You know, the best way to predict the future in a lot of ways is to study the past or, or understand the past and what has led up to this point. Right. Um, well, let, before we jump into it, Gabby, I just wonder, like, how are you consuming everything that's going on right now. Like, how are you digesting it all? I guess is the best way to say, because there's a lot of stuff flying around right, right. now. And, uh, you know, do you, I guess, where do you stand right now, Friday morning going into this key weekend? Yeah. I mean, I'm feeling pretty optimistic. I mean, just obviously talking to you and, you know, people that I feel like just, really just, I think it's important for people to just be diligent in how they sort of sort through all this, because like you said, it's a, it's a mess and you have national people, especially like on Thursday, national people tweeting out all these types of things. I think it's just important to, to sort of be able to sort through it. So, I mean, just again, having conversations with you, just sort of knowing how the, how this has like been going uh, has made it a lot easier, obviously, to be able to sort through all that. So I mean, I'm just kind of excited, man. I'm excited to see what this weekend sort of holds um, to sort of see if what they want to happen happens, if plan A sort of comes to fruition. So really, I'm just trying to be patient, man. I know you you preached patience on Monday. You know, it's Friday. You know, we made it. We're, we're here. Right. Uh, you know, we just got to kind of get through this final this final home stretch. It feels like we're at the home stretch of this, you know, really just a few more days uh, you know, 48, 72 hours, uh, before I feel like everyone has sort of a firm grasp of what's going on here. So, you know, I'm just holding on tight, um, optimistic, maybe cautiously optimistic about the way that this is going. And I'm interested to just really just see how this all plays out. You know, I think this is obviously a big pivot point for the university and uh, a different approach that they've taken potentially at any point of their history. So, you know, I, I understand the significance of this and I'm really just, I am me personally, again, as someone who cares about the program, I think that I don't think that's like a much of a secret at this point. I mean, lived here my whole life, grew up going to UM games. Um, you know, I, I, I want, I want to see them get it right rather than see it, get it done, see them get it done quickly. So, you know, right. I'm really just interested to see how this sort of wraps up. 
Right. And, and like, in terms of like maybe going cheesy with like a football analogy, right. In terms of this process of uh, getting Mario Cristobal, I feel like we're now at the point Friday morning where Miami's in the red zone, right? I think let's say Miami, you know, gets, let's say the PAC 12 championship game comes and goes and, and there's no announcement of a Manny Diaz retention or a Mario Cristobal extension at Oregon. I think, you know, Miami would then be on the 10 yard line. I think if we kind of learn that Miami and Mario are meeting sometime Saturday, uh, let's just say it'd be on the five yard line and it's time to punch it in. Right. Um, so anyways, let's go back in time and kind of set up why this is all possible. I think it starts like if we're being honest and it's somewhat ridiculous, but it is true that it had such a massive impact when college game days, Kirk Herbstreet called out Miami's administration, right? It was the morning of September 25th. Miami was one and two and they were set to play central Connecticut state, right? Uh, on college game day, Kirk Herbstreet called out Miami's leadership in terms of supporting the football program, specifically the university president, Julio Frank. And, uh, you know, I think the quote was like, you have an athletic department that is clearly not really showing that this is something they're willing to try to make changes, right? That's what Kirk Herbstreet said. And he noted, you know, for the past 15 years, Miami's been seven and five, and they've just kind of accepted that level of mediocrity from the top all the way to the down, all the way down, right? Um, so after that public lashing from Kirk Herbstreet, do you remember the uh, awkward uh, press oh, conference yeah. from Manny Diaz the following Monday? Just supporting, just like dishing out his support for, for Julio Frank and all that type of stuff. Right. So it was awkward. It was forced. And that was the moment when I was like, huh, you know, my, my antennas went up because they clearly went out of their way to force a narrative of support towards yeah. Julio Frank. Right. That was so, like the, op the opening statement, right. That he, he, it was like a yeah, five yeah. minute long opening statement of him. About his love for Julio. Frank. Yes. And about how he's like, how the, the university is committed to athletics and, all that, all that great stuff. And then a week or two later, Blake James, who, you know, ducks the media in terms of press conferences. He did, though, go on uh, Packer and Durham on the ACC network. And he awkwardly also, you know, publicly gushed about uh, Julio Frank. So, you know, clearly, and we know now, looking back, of course, that uh, Julio Frank was like, what is going on over there? Why are they coming so hard at me? Because I do think it's true that Julio doesn't understand athletics. You know, I think he would admit that, but he's willing to admit what he doesn't know. And once he's aware of problems, he will yeah. try and fix them, right? So he did that by appointing some of his trusted advisors, Rudy Fernandez and Joe Echevarria, to monitor the athletic department moving forward after those Kirk Herbstreet comments, right? Um, so that was step one. 
And it's crazy looking back at that, right, yeah. Gabby? But I could, I could see it. Like, I could see Julio Frank, again, as a guy that isn't, like, extremely familiar with athletics or really maybe doesn't understand the, the full ins and outs like that. To hear his name publicly called out on ESPN on the biggest college pregame show, you know, in the world, <laughs> he probably was just like, again, as a leader. Again, you know, I feel like there's right. a difference between, like, you don't need to know, you don't need to understand athletics to understand leadership. He, that was probably the big red flag for him. That's just like, there Correct. is something seriously wrong here. If th- these guys are like parked in, at, in like Columbus, Ohio or something like that, or wherever they were at the time. And they were just talking about specifically the Miami administration. Like you don't hear that about a lot of schools. Like when do you, when are you listening to college games and you hear them just go off about, you know, the university of Washington's president, you know, like right, it doesn't, it right. doesn't happen that much. So for, college game day to do that in that setting and to just drop names like that like specifically that was a big red flag in terms of just the leadership of the athletics so i mean that was a massive massive pivot point in in all this right and i'm sure julio like i alluded to it he he's like where is all like i don't i I didn't ask for any of this smoke exactly but look credit to him for putting people in charge to evaluate what's going on and seek changes if possible right uh, so from that point, Miami goes on to lose to Virginia and North Carolina at the midway point, uh, of the season, Miami is sitting at two and four, right? And I think it's fair to say Manny's, Manny Diaz's hot seat or seat is hot. Um, the pleas for change, not only with Manny Diaz, but also the athletic director, Blake James, are growing louder and louder and louder from the fan base. So it's clear, uh, you know, kind of things aren't going well in terms of the leadership and changes need to be made, right? To me, the next big moment was the loss to Florida State because Miami did end like the second half of the season, right? The six games, second half of the season, Miami won five of the six, right? Um, but that one loss was to a Florida State team that lost to Jacksonville State earlier in the season and finished the season five and seven. Uh, and Florida State has not made a bowl game this year or last year. So they're not a program that should be beating Miami right. uh, just with their roster. And on top of that, they are your biggest rival. And on top of that, um, they needed that type of quote unquote signature win. This Mike Norvell staff needed that signature win to kind of kickstart their recruiting efforts even more, right? right? They're trying to get back to where they were. The way you do that is through recruiting. And when you can point to, you know, Florida State and Miami have a ton of recruiting battles. When you can point to, hey, I just, we just beat them with a crappy team that's obviously going to be a strong selling point for Florida state. And it's kind of a uh, gut punch to the Manny Diaz era in terms of selling the future. It's going to be tough. So that was a key moment. Um, I don't know if you remember how you felt Gabby, but after that loss to Florida state, do you, (laughs) did you expect, did you expect change to happen? It, it, like that weekend yeah when when that game finished like so like for 
I don't know. Uh, I, I probably didn't at that time. Like I didn't expect them to like Same. fire him on Sunday just because it, I mean, right before that, again, you had the, the win over Pitt, who's going to win the oh, potentially win the AC title playing for an AC championship. You got NC state who, again, two top 20 teams that you had beat. And then you had sort of this one in the middle and it was just such a weird, it was just such a weird season. And for them to go and lose to that Florida state team and the way that they did, um, it was just it was it was bad, but I didn't think that at that point it was like here's the thing, right? The make or break. I think when Miami, let's say we're we're at the point of the season, you and me, when Miami's two and four, right? Yeah. Let's let's say I told you, okay, Miami's gonna go win five of their next six. And Tyler Van Dyke's gonna be a stud. Do you expect Miami to fire Blake James and potentially try and upgrade over Manny Diaz? Because judging off the earned history of the past, right? Miami's always been fine with that type of mediocrity, yeah. right? So I would have probably, if you had told me that at two and four, I would have been like, yeah, I mean, I think Manny probably comes back. I think Blake James comes back. They'll spin it as they won five of their last six, and they have an awesome quarterback in Tyler Van Dyke. Um, I, I mean, I would I would have said the same. I mean, I remember right. even just like after the North Carolina podcast, or maybe it was the Virginia podcast, we were talking about like what I think it was after the Virginia what game. What does Miami? Lost. What do the decision makers want want Miami Hurricanes football to be? Right. Yeah, we, we were talking about that, and we were just talking about what the rest of the schedule looked like. Like, it, it was this team we were looking at like five. I was mean, it good it, enough? Right. Yeah, I exactly. think that was the question. Is eight and four good enough? Because that was the best case scenario. Right. Right. And so I think it is encouraging that right now this this push from this new regime of leadership is telling us. No, seven and five is not good enough. And that I, again, I would have thought that it would have been if you would have told me Correct. then Correct. That Van Dyke is the AC rookie of the year and he throws almost 30 touchdown passes for almost 3000 yards and all these things. And you beat two top 20 teams. I would have been like, yeah, that's good enough. And it's nice. It's refreshing that, you know, yes. there's people in there. It's that encouraging. It is encouraging. It's encouraging about how, how, how they're really expecting change, how they're just going to, it's a new again, mindset. That, that, it's a new mindset. That status quo is just, just being like absolutely dismissed now and for them to sort of sort of just implant that new mentality or there is a new mentality from people within the program that say no like that that that's not it yeah you won five of your last six but this is a it's a 12 game season i mean we're, we're not looking at half of the product it's the complete picture it's a 12 game season and it's a 15 year run of results Right. Right. And that's the thing too, because it's so it, it runs so much deeper than if this was like one individual year, like a standalone season. I mean, I think you can say, of hey, course. you know what? They have a quarterback and you know, maybe next year it all comes together. Absolutely. But I, like just looking at the, the program and the history of it and just how stagnant it's been. It's been stuck in the same place. It's been stuck in neutral for so long. And I think it's just at a breaking point right now. And there's right. people that are willing to change it. I think that's a I think that's huge. So the next thing, the next big shoe to drop. Is that the right cliche? I just use shoe to drop. I forget. I don't know. I just say things. You can just say things and it just works. The next big domino to fall. Let's go domino with that. Domino to fall. Yeah, Let's domino. go with that cliche. We're, we're, in my, we're in Miami. We can say dominoes. Yeah. There you go. The next big domino to fall, right? Uh, Miami parts ways with Blake James the Monday after the Florida State loss. 
I was blown away by that move. Um, why is that important? Number one, obviously, Blake James established what I would argue is a loser mentality culture surrounding the athletic department. Number two, if Miami wanted to make a move to go get Mario Cristobal, they had to part ways with Blake James. It's widely known. Uh, if you know Mario Cristobal well, you know he does not like Blake James at all. And quite frankly, Blake James does not like Mario at all. Uh, so it was a big signal, in my opinion, to Eugene, Oregon, when Miami says, all right, we're going to go find new leadership. And that move is when it should have signaled to the Miami fan base, wow, they are really setting this up to go make a run at Mario Cristobal. Yeah. Right. I, think I feel a, like I, think a lot I of people that missed up. that. You did. Right. I feel like a lot of people missed it though. Like, I, right. feel like, I feel like people missed it. So I, I feel that, like people tied it to Blake James going behind Manny's back and all that stuff and what he did. I think with that, that was part of it. Like that I'm sure made, it was, but there was a bigger the picture. Easy. But also in terms of going out and replacing Manny Diaz, if they wanted Mario Cristobal, right? They had to get rid of Blake James, right? I think Blake had earned it, earned uh, the quote-unquote parting of ways based on his results as a leader anyways. But in addition to that, it was a huge boost to go get Mario Cristobal. 100%. Um, after that, right? Through various sources and reports, we kind of learned that, okay, Miami is now willing to dump more money, more resources into the football program. You saw reports, I believe Manny Navarro of The Athletic was the first to report that Miami was now willing to use more of their resources from the university, specifically U Health, you know, who generates $500 million per year in revenue. Um, dump some of those excess funds into the football program. I believe Mike Ryan of the Dan Lebetard show was the first to report that the plan was to, uh, you know, that Miami's leadership was ready to pledge at least 20 to 30 million more per year into the football program for a few years, at least to try and get things off the ground and running smoothly. Uh, and to modernize Miami football with the resources they need in terms of staffing and all the little things it takes to win at a big, big, big level. So why did this messaging matter, right? Uh, and also, too, you know, this was more recent, but I put out an article with John Ruiz, who is a, uh, you know, Oregon has their own billionaire and Phil Knight. John Ruiz can be Miami's millionaire. Uh, you know, he's due to an algorithm that will identify medical billing errors that he is the proprietor of. Uh, he's set to be worth an estimated $20 billion, right? So he, there's also a belief that there will be money coming in from that type of level too, right? So why does that messaging matter? Again, it is a direct signal to Eugene, Oregon, where 
Oregon has plenty of resources due to Phil Knight and Nike, right? right? So that's not going to be an issue for Miami moving forward if Miami has the right leadership in place for the head football coach, Um, which should excite everyone, right, Gabby? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, when you, again, when you think about major college football and you look at all the programs, especially in the South and all that stuff, uh, Texas A&M, Texas, all those types of things, it's all, those programs are built on guys like this that are willing to write massive paychecks, that are just willing to open the checkbook and just contribute to the program. And again, Miami may not ever have, you know, the huge on-campus stadium or the 100,000 seat stadium or anything like that. But you have people, extremely wealthy people that want to see this university grow and to sort of have those people in your corner right Right. now in this period of transition. It says a lot about what this university could potentially be and what the plan in place sort of is. You know, there's people that want to see this get right. And there again, the pieces are in place for it to be as good as it could possibly be, or at least significantly better than it ever was from a financial standpoint, just being invested into the program, in, into the football players. I mean, really into the student, you know, the student athletes and all that stuff. And it all runs through football. You know, if they right. get this football thing right, it's going to trickle down throughout the rest of the, of the university and the football program. So guys like this are just absolutely huge to the sport. And also too, you know, there was a concern in terms of does Miami have the money for buyouts, both for a potential coach to bring in and Manny Diaz, and then also provide that coach with a staffing pool. You know, when Miami moved away from Blake James, I was told by someone who would know that that type of money would not be an issue. And I asked that same person here recently, right? Uh, Because the marketplace has changed within the last week, right? With Lincoln Riley going to USC, Brian Kelly going to LSU other changes as well, you know, extensions, huge money extensions for coaches that are staying at their schools. Um, I asked the person who would know if that is still the case and yeah, it, it still is the case, right? So Miami is, is putting out the messaging and wisely so to attract a coach like a Mario Cristobal who has a good situation with his resource pool in Oregon that, Hey, Miami's now, poised to get into that game, right? And I would argue when Miami is in that game, when they are on par resource, not on par, but at least competitive resource-wise, invested might be the best way to phrase it. You know, the ceiling at Miami is higher than the ceiling at Oregon. Um, so it's a that's a big message too. Uh, after the season, right? Sources make it clear that Manny Diaz will return unless they can find an upgrade, right? So again, Miami's messaging, they're not flat out saying who they're chasing, uh, but there is a waiting game with Manny Diaz. And it's pretty clear, like, you know, what is Miami waiting for? Again, they're waiting for this Pac-12 championship game to finish. They're waiting for Mario Cristobal, presumably, to finish out his season so that then they can have those conversations. Um, so there has not been an announcement of Manny Diaz's retention, right? And there, at the same time, there's also been no announcement of Mario Cristobal getting a big money extension from Oregon. Again, I have reason to believe he has one on the table, but he has not signed it. Um, 
another thing too, you know, in terms of AD leaks, you know, I think you can take a lot of it with a grain of salt, but I do think there is something to the former player aspect, you know, guys like Alonzo Highsmith and Gino Toretta's names get brought up for AD. Again, I'm not sure they're going to be ADs, but I do think if they want, there are going to be roles for them within the athletic department. And, you know, Alonzo Highsmith, guy who also went to Christopher Columbus High School with, you know, not with, but uh, Cristobal, that's where he went. And then Gino Toretta, former Heisman Trophy, has a close relationship with Mario Cristobal from his playing days at Miami. If those guys are in the athletic department, they are allies of Mario Cristobal. He would see that as a very attractive thing, right? Um, I think it's also worth pointing out too, right? Key board of trustees members that are also pushing this along with the leadership of uh, Julio Frank, Rudy Fernandez, and Joe Echeverria, right? Marcus Limonis, who's also known for his reality TV show, The Prophet, and who is also a Christopher Columbus High School grad, uh, and Jose Moss, right? Who is a uh, multimillionaire in his own right. He is a board of trustees member as well. He is a big, deep-pocketed money, deep-pocketed booster. Uh, he also went to Christopher Columbus High School. He actually attended Christopher Columbus at the same time as Cristobal. So those two are very close. Um, so those are some of his allies at the board of trustees level. And also too, quite frankly, they would, they would be willing to put up the money to help put up the money or find the money uh, to either bring Mario or, um, you know, once he's here, give him some resources in that regard as well. Um, and also too, right, I think it's just fair to point out, Gabby, like anyone who legitimately knows Mario understands that like this Miami job is his dream job. Now, Miami's not going to get him on a discount, hometown discount. To imply that would be false and disingenuous, but also to call it like if you know Mario, again, Miami's his dream job. And that is not hyperbole or lip service. Um, you know, people have, you know, Mario tells people in his inner circle, he tells people connected to the UM program that everything he's ever done in his coaching career is to one day lead him back to his alma mater as the head coach. It is his dream to coach at the University of Miami. Now, again, he's not going to do that on a discount. And I've already laid out the multiple reasons why that is going to change moving forward if Mario Cristobal is the head coach. So that's kind of like the timeline of events and understanding of the tea leaves as to why Mario would make that move, right? And, and before we get into the potential questions or reasons why he wouldn't make the move, I just wonder, like, what's your, again, how do you digest all of that, Gabby? Because it's been, it's been kind of a plan in motion behind the scenes, honestly, right. for at, at least a month. That's how I view it. I mean, I view it as this is something that Miami has been sort of working their way towards is 
getting a guy like Mario Cristobal, when you start hearing we're willing to invest more money into the program and you hear these big time donors saying that we're going to, you know, pour more resources into the program, a part of that. And then you mix in, of course, everything that's not said. And I think that is really important, David. I kind of love that you, that you consistently point that out. Manny Diaz has not been, I mean, at this point, Miami, if Miami is going to bring Manny Diaz back, they have to like publicly say that because it's not assumed at this point. So they would have to make that announcement. Right. Absolutely. Mario Cristobal not signed an extension. We've seen a ton of these coaches sign extensions or whatever it is, especially before a conference championship game like this. I mean, it's a great time to do it. He has not done so yet. I mean, I don't know why there would be any reason he wouldn't do that um, if he had no intentions of at least listening to whatever Correct. Miami had to offer. So this is a plan that's been in place for a, a while. This has been, I mean, this has sort of been plan A the whole time. And, uh, you know, I think that, I mean, these guys are high rollers. They're, they're all in. Their chips are all in the middle of the table. And they're trying to make this happen. And that's just, that's my way of interpreting this. And, you know, is it going to happen? I mean, I think that they're, I'm not saying that it's, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It's a, it's a, we'll see, but they're putting themselves in a position to make it happen. And I think that that's a really good first step. Let's say all of this falls apart and it just doesn't work out. I think it's a really big first step that Miami has made these intentional efforts to go this big for a head coach and to go this big for the football program. So I'm, I'm again, yeah. I'm just sort of in wait and see mode. I think that they're, that these guys don't have, these guys are, really winners in life. These guys have been extremely successful, extremely successful businessmen. Uh, you know, they value leadership. They value guys that get the job done in a big way. I think that they view Mario Cristobal as a guy that could change the trajectory of this program. And they're doing what it, what needs to be done to sort of get it done. And well, again, will it happen? We'll see. But I mean, I highly respect the effort that they're putting into this and, you know, just really everything that they're sort of making happen in this program. That's just so it's just so uncharacteristic of Miami that what right. and everything that they're doing right now is just so new and just so, I guess, I mean, I don't really know the word. They're just, they're just really just trying to push it forward. They're really yeah. just trying to make it's this happen. It's a new era. It's, it's a, a new it's, vision. It feels like a new era, a new vision, a new way of approaching Miami Hurricanes football from these people, uh, you know, that are new regime and not this old regime. Uh, and I'm really excited, man. I think that, uh, you know, regardless, I think the program's uh, headed in the right direction. Again, hope, cross our fingers that, you know, they're able to get this done because it would just be massive for the program in multiple ways. But, I mean, the effort alone tells you a lot about what you need to know about who the decision makers are and what their plan is for this program. So what would be the potential pitfalls or negatives as to why Mario Cristobal, you know, might not come? Or let's just say it like, let's phrase it as, what would be his questions, right? In terms of if he meets with Miami, what what questions would Miami have to answer to him, right? And, and look, there's a lot of misinformation flying around right now, right? And I, look, when I did that ridiculous letter to the board of trustees a week ago, that wasn't like grandstanding on my part. You know, people who know me know I don't do that type of stuff out of no, just a grandstand, right? Like, I don't seek that type of attention out um, a lot of times to my own detriment, right? But I felt like that needed to be done because I saw this coming, right? I saw this coming. Uh, there are people inside the board of trustees that are unhappy that they are being walled off from this process. There are also people inside the HECT building 
that are upset with being walled off from this process. I think more of the recent misinformation is definitely from the board of trustees level. So I will say that. Um, but we're seeing it in terms of the AD search being a mess narrative. Uh, Miami's a bleep show narrative um, that is being fed to the media. Um, that quite frankly doesn't understand the current power dynamic of uh, President Julio Frank, his advisors, and Jose Mas slash Marcus Labonis being the key people, the key handful people that are really driving this bus. And the board of trustees are not involved at all, really. Um, and so they're upset. They don't like this regime change. I think there is a lot of people on the board of trustees that were fans of Blake James, quite frankly. I think there's a lot of people on the board of trustees that were, that still are fans of Manny Diaz, right? So, and then also too, there's just ego involved, right? These are wealthy, powerful people on the board of trustees. Typically they get what they want. Right now, that is not happening in terms of having an understanding of what is going on with the AD search, number one, and also two, what they're thinking about, you know, quote unquote, potentially upgrading the football coach, right? So there's a lot of misinformation going on right now. You know, I will say this, like, we're not really seeing that information at the top, top, top respected national college football media guys like Bruce Feldman and Pete Thamel. It's kind of that next tier of like Brett McMurphy, Dennis Dodd, Ross Dellinger, those guys, Matt Zenitz put out a recruit, put out a tweet that like Manny Diaz is expected to return or something on Tuesday. So there's a lot of misinformation out there. People who used to be in plugged in, used to be in the know in terms of sources on the board of trustees, no longer are, right? But a lot of these media members have not caught up that that is the case. So they are simply running with these narratives. Um, and so why does this matter, right? Why would they put this misinformation out there? Because they want to maintain the status quo, number one, they like Manny Diaz. And number two, they are upset with not being involved in the change in terms of athletic director. Number three, as I alluded to, it's just egos, right? These people typically get what they want. That's not happening now. So they're throwing a fit. Um, so the goal with that, right, would be a misinformation campaign to scare away a potential head coach. And look, I think like, for instance, like if I pull a random head coach out of my butt, like let's say, for instance, Miami wanted to go after Matt Campbell, right? I think that type of misinformation campaign would work a if, if you were scaring away a Matt Campbell, right? He would be like, what is, like, what is going on down there? That this is, this is a mess, which honestly, when people say the board of trustees is a mess, they're not lying. Like, yeah, that is definitely that right. That is definitely true. Um, but is it a mess in terms of them determining the athletic director? No, because they are not in the process. They have no voice in determining the athletic director. So like, if Miami was trying to pursue Matt Campbell, yeah, this misinformation would scare him away. I think they're trying to do that with Mario, 
but the thing in terms of, uh, I don't know if positive is the right way to say it, but with Mario, at least he knows, like he has a knowledge that Miami's board of trustees situation is a mess. He is not like surprised that this type of stuff is going on. Whereas like a Matt Campbell would be surprised, would be instantly turned off. Uh, it would be a no-go. Mario Cristobal just kind of knows, hey, that's the board of trustees up to their old tricks. So if that's the case, and I already know that to be the case because Miami's board of trustees already has a reputation of being one of the worst in college football. Um, if that's the case, what are we going to do moving forward to change that, right? And so if I'm Miami and I'm selling him and I'm trying to answer that question, I point out, number one, President Julio Frank is driving this bus. He is the one making all these decisions. And so if President Julio Frank hires Mario Cristobal, that shows you're my guy. I will always have your back, no matter what these crazy board of trustees members that don't care what's best for the program think. I always have your back. So that's number one. I think that's a strong, important message, right? I think the athletic director hire, which I expect to happen, like, here's, here's, let me get off track here. If Mario Cristobal happens, I kind of expect it to happen Saturday at some point. I think the athletic director hire would happen Sunday, Monday, Tuesday-ish, right? So I think athletic director is going to happen after Mario if they hire Mario. But I think it's fair to point out, look, if it's a new athletic director, that athletic director is going to be in lockstep with Mario Cristobal. So Mario will have the support of the president, Julio Frank, and whoever the new athletic director is. I think it's also important to point out Jose Moss, Marcus Limonis. We've spoken about them and how they are important in this decision-making process. They are on the board of trustees. I think they can sell. Look, we're two guys on the board of trustees. We can handle these crazy board of trustees guys that don't get it, don't see the vision for the future, um, which I think helps as well. So they would have that level covered in terms of leadership. I think inside the building, right? The athletic department building. I've already mentioned how Alonzo Highsmith and Gino, Gino Toretta would be seen as allies there working with Mario. Um, and then also too, you know, look, if these board of trustees members that are upset about being walled off, get so upset to the point where they stop giving to the university, that's where a guy like John Ruiz steps in, right? John Ruiz is willing to pump he said it himself, substantial money into the program. So he would at least make up for that and would probably just boost it in general, right? So these are the concerns if I'm Mario Cristobal, but I do think there are some fair answers. And again, this all speaks to there being a plan. There has always been a plan. This is not a mess. And I think Miami has some good answers for Mario that would show that there, this is a new era. There is a vision moving forward for making Miami Hurricanes football competitive again. And uh, I think it's a compelling case. You nailed it, man. I don't even know what to add to that. That's just, uh, 
it's just weird that, you know, obviously the board of trustees guys that are talking and all that stuff that you would think that they would know that I, I guess maybe they just don't know that if Mario, let's say Mario is the guy. I mean, he has resources in the city and in just in my, around Miami that would allow exactly. him to sort of sort, sort through all of this. Like if their plan is to maybe turn Mario off and all this, it's a pretty weird approach because again, you have to know that he knows Limonis and he knows, you know, Jose Moss and these guys and that they're going to give it to him straight. They're going to tell him exactly what it is. And he's going to, they're going to tell right. him, Hey, look, it's these guys thinking that we're just going after a Matt Campbell or a Luke fickle, or a, a just, I'm just throwing names out there, a Tom Herman. And yeah, those guys would be terrified by what Brett McMurphy and the, and Ross Dellinger and the, what these guys are, are saying, but Mario Cristobal, who basically has a direct line to like multiple people that are highly right. affiliated with Miami there's there's a way to sort through that very easily in terms I of I do that. think there's a concern, right? But it's just not right. going to be instantly exactly. a no. It's, exactly. it's not just like, okay, no, never mind. I would never go to Miami. Look what, what the national media is saying about these people. Like, it has to be true. Like, I think it's much easier for Mario Cristobal to sort through all that than it would be for, again, a guy with maybe no correlation to the program that's an outsider. Because, I mean, if I read something like that about Arizona State, like, I mean, I did, it this, I did it this summer when everything came out about Arizona State. I was like, oh, Herm Edwards is fired. That whole staff is gone. Like when everything came out about the illegal visits and all that stuff, I was like, oh, there's no way that staff's coming back. And Herm Edwards just got a, an attaboy from the president saying he's going to come back in 2020 or the AD that he's going to come back in 2022. Like, I feel like there's deeper situations inside programs, in, intricacies and all that type of stuff that you can only really know if you're like, if you have people there, boots on the ground. And so, again, from an outsider perspective, I totally get the outrage and Definitely. all that stuff. But a Mario from Cristobal a fan's type, perspective, too. I, 100%. I, I, get I totally so, get it. Totally it's very get confusing. It. it is. And that's why I think it's important to just know, just to understand everything that, you know, that you're saying now, David, that there are people with other agendas right now that are saying things to scare away candidates. And that the reality of the situation is, is that they have a very specific plan and that plan is in motion and it's been in motion. And there's people that are, are working really hard uh, to, you know, make this all sort of come into fruition and, you know, hopefully make it help it all come together. And I think that that's why it's important to sort of, you know, listen to stuff like this and to just really understand where you're getting your information from and who is putting that information out there and for what reason. And I think in today's age, more than ever, it's important to sort of go that extra mile to know where exactly the information is coming from. Yeah, this is, I mean, let's be real. Like, this is a radical change with the athletic department and the football program and the leadership in general, um, you know, at the board of trustees level and quite frankly, at the president's level, right? So this type of radical change, this type of revolution, it's going to be messy, right? Um, but you got you to gotta just keep faith, uh, hold the line during all this mess, and hope that the plan is finished, right? That they close. And so that brings us to, you know, where do we, what do we think, what do we think is going to happen, right? Um, look, I think this, I'm not, I'm not going to come out and say, a pre, I'm not going to make a prediction, right? In terms of like Miami's getting Mario Cristobal. What I will say, is he has an interesting decision to make. I think Miami is going to make a compelling case. Um, you know, I'm not interested in like pros and cons, compare and contrast, Miami, Oregon. To me, these are both 
good situations, right? And it, it really does boil down to what does Mario want to do? Um, I, so if I had a gun to my head and knowing what I know, I, th and you said, tell me what you think Mario Cristobal does. I do think he ends up coming home to Miami. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not reporting this. This is my opinion. Um, but I feel pretty good about the compelling case Miami is making. I feel good about the people involved uh, with, with bringing him back to Miami. You know, you alluded to this, Gabby, but people like uh, Marcus Limonis, Jose Moss, Rudy Fernandez, Joe Echeverria, they don't jump into this fray. They don't get into this fight uh, to lose. Within, yeah, to lose. They're not losing this, I don't think. Um, and they've gotten it this far. And I don't think they're going to lose, right? Um, so I'm kind of betting on them, completing the vision, completing the plan. Again, they've taken it this far. And now it's time to close. And in my opinion, I, I think they do. I mean, that's, that's where I'm at. It's just... Do, did these guys come this far to walk away empty-handed? Um, again, these are ex all extremely successful businessmen. And I get it. I mean, or and Oregon has Nike. I mean, it's really tough to compete with Nike. But, you know, if everything else is true, if, um, you know, if this is his dream job, if, you know, if this is something he's always wanted, if every move he's made throughout his coaching career is always led up to him potentially taking the Miami job, if that's true... If, that, if all that's true, then that's why I feel good about this. Because, again, they're not coming at him saying, hey, it's your time to coach at Miami. Welcome home. It's we are giving you everything that nobody in the history of the University of Miami has ever had in the football program. We are going to do everything that you need. We're going to give you everything that you ask. We are going to pump more into this than we have ever had, like ever had in the history of University of Miami football. And we're going to give this to you. And, and it's yours if you want it. And again, with the Limonis and the Moss and Rudy Fernandez and Echeverria and all these dudes sort of going all in on this, I have a hard time. I, have a, I feel like if they didn't feel like it was going to happen, I think they might have backed up by now. Absolutely. I think they would have started to pivot by now. I a think that they would have started to backtrack. And they're not. They are, they are doing this. Like they are like, yes. like what I said, chips in the middle of the table. Like it, this is what the plan is. And if it's not, then... You know, and for though for that reason, with guys that think like that, that are just so brilliant, that have just have been so successful throughout their life, I don't think they're still in this with with the stakes as high as they are right now. If they didn't feel like this was going to come around, and that's why, again, not making a prediction, but that's why I would prob probably feel better that this is gonna maybe happen. Um, again, I there's a lot that can change over the next 24, 48 hours or whatever. Absolutely. It is, but um, at this point, right now, like at 9.02 a.m. on Friday morning, you know, I, I feel pretty, pretty good about where, where they stand in this whole race. Yeah, and we'll see where the chips fall, right, uh, however they fall. And uh, in terms of the athletic director, again, I, I think that's more of like a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday timeline. You know, will names leak out moving forward? Yeah, I think they might start to. And so I think once that happens, maybe – they can be taken more seriously, but overall, 
that process has been really buttoned up, really quiet um, in terms of like what's legitimate, right? The whole narrative of it being a mess and names leaking out there, uh, you know, Eddie Nunez clearly making like a public push to get the job then when he doesn't get it publicly takes himself out of consideration. And then the next day there's an anonymous report from Brett McMurphy about how it's a, you know, it's a mess, et cetera, et cetera. Eddie Nunez sure seems this is me speculating, but seems a little salty. Um, Anyways, anyways, I do think there is quality AD candidates quietly interested in the job and going through the process and you just got to trust the process. Um, I will say, I will say just really quick, if you are the athletic director at New Mexico and you have a chance to be the athletic director at Miami, where you are from, I don't think you think twice about that. That's just, if you have the opportunity to, if you have the opportunity to come, I don't think that you deny that. I think it's not like, Hey, you know what? I really like my situation in New Mexico, New Mexico. (laughs) Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to come be the athletic director at Miami. That would just be ridiculous. Like, I think there just needs to be some sort of just like bit of logic or maybe common sense when you see stuff like that. Yeah. Not saying right. that, that, you know, his name wasn't real or maybe he wasn't a candidate or anything like that, but he was, he went through the process there. I mean, I just don't think he was offered the job because I think if he was, you don't flinch there. Bingo. All right. So we'll see again. We'll see how the chips fall. Stay locked on to InsideTheU.com because um, it's going to be an interesting weekend one way or the other, right? Let's, uh, let's take a break, Gabby, and quickly talk about the awkwardness of recruiting because uh, Miami's still going to host official visitors. Manny Diaz has been out on the road, so has the staff. We'll just discuss all that. So check that out after this break. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, we're back. Gabby, you've been all over it in terms of like where everyone's been on the staff this week, where Manny Diaz has been, et cetera, et cetera. What's your understanding about how their approach has been just during this awkward time? Yeah, um, it's been, I mean, first, I want to maybe just start off by saying that, you know, I know you you sort of touched on it in the beginning of the show, but I mean, I have a lot of respect about uh, for the way that this staff has sort of approached this week. You know, I don't think there's a lot of people out there that sort of knowing that they could potentially be let go at any minute, at any second, uh, to still sort of put in the time and the effort that they're putting in on the recruiting trail. 
Um, these dudes are, these, these guys are, are definitely working hard. Um, really, I mean, just from what I've been able to understand, I mean, they are basically having tough conversations at basically every stop of the way. Uh, you know, these guys are having to sort of, you know, answer questions that families of commits have. Uh, they are right. sort of having to, you know, just really just sort of stand, stand in the smoke and just say like, you know, this is like really what's happening, sort of a day-to-day -day mentality really of, of everything that's going on in the recruiting trail. And again, these guys are working hard. I mean, they've been to Georgia, they've been to Louisiana, they've been to Mississippi, Alabama, Texas over the last five days or so, uh, really just working as if they're here. I mean, that's really the reality of it. They're working at, they're operating as if there's still a staff that's in place. And, uh, right. you know, that hasn't been easy. Um, you know, that hasn't been tough. I, I mean, it, it's been tough and, you know, it's, it's just, it's just a crazy season right now where, you know, they could be in a home and it's like you have kind of looking over your shoulder, like, is anything going to come out while I'm here? So it's been, a, it's been pretty nuts this week for Miami, but um, they've been working hard, man. And they've been, uh, they've been really trying to, you know, do this the right way. So kudos to them. And my understanding too, is that they are just, they're being transparent in terms Very of like, yep. we don't know, we, we don't know what our future is, right? They're not trying to sell a bill of goods. Like, is kind like people last week at least reported that they're telling recruits that they're coming back. They haven't been doing that. Not uh, at all. Which think, is the right approach. Right. Yeah. They've been very transparent and that's really the message that, I mean, just talking to people, I mean, just talking with someone close to Jakari Brown. Uh, I mean, they are not, they, they are being very open about the fact that they don't know if they're going to be there. Like they, they don't know. They're really taking a day by day approach uh, you know, I think that they're just trying to, again, uh, you know, just do what they're, what they're, what they're supposed to be doing right now as a staff that is in place and that is employed by the university of Miami, but you know, they're not telling people that they are coming back next year. Uh, I think they're being very open about the fact that they don't know what tomorrow looks like, like literally a day by day right. approach is what I think what the message has been is that today's Wednesday, we're living in Wednesday, tomorrow's Thursday. And if we get to Thursday, then we'll work Thursday. And if it gets to Friday, then it'll be Friday and so on and so forth. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's not the best way to recruit. It's making things difficult in terms of just what really the plan has been the entire time has been attack the portal, attack the transfer portal. That's why we have such small numbers. Manny Diaz said in a press conference that they wouldn't have been comfortable coming out of the summer with more than 12 commits uh, because they want to save all these spots for the portal. Well, the portal's here, the portal's more active than it's ever been. And it's really hard for them to sort of sort through all that because it's just like, what are we like, are, are we really going to start trying to find portal guys right now? It's one thing to recruit the high school kids that you've been recruiting, but to sort of just jump into a recruitment right now is right. just, it's almost like it's, it's just like, you're just going to get torched. You're going to, you're not going to be able there's to no have point. that. There's no point really. There's, I mean, that's so the, you know your fate. Yeah, exactly. So it's, um, you know, it's definitely an interesting time. I mean, it's, I mean, for this current staff, it's not a great way to be operating for recruiting. You know, sure. it is what it is, but I do think that there's a bigger picture. I mean, again, like we talked about in the first half of the show, there's a bigger picture here in place. And I think ultimately that matters more than what happens, you know, here over the next few weeks. So Miami is set to host some official visitors this weekend, correct? Tell us who they are, what they need to know. Yeah. And also to what the fans need to know. And also like, what does it mean? Like, let's say hypothetically Miami announces they're separating from Manny Diaz and they 
higher Mario Cristobal. Besides just obvious awkwardness, right? What would it mean for those recruits? Could they come back a weekend later if they're still interested in Miami with Mario Cristobal, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, um, I mean, that's interesting. So I'll start off with just who's here. Um, two official visitors this weekend. We got Jaden Harris, who's a cornerback out of the Atlanta area, sort of a late riser in the process. He's already officially visited Kansas State, and I believe he's been to Virginia already as well. Uh, he's at Miami this weekend, and then he will f- he's scheduled to finish off at Georgia Tech next weekend. So, you know, four legitimate Power 5 programs that have sort of gotten involved here late in the process. Um, so he's here already. He got here Thursday night. The other one is Matthew McCoy, the offensive lineman out of St. Augustine Creekside. Uh, another late riser sort of blew up early on in the senior year. I think it was late September when Maryland, uh, Miami, uh, Florida, a bunch of schools offered Minnesota, just like really like in a two week period, they could pick up like 15 offers that he did not have previously. So, um, you know, this is a guy that Miami has been highly interested in. I know Garen justice went to go see him at his school, uh, during the football season. And I believe he made a stop this week to go check on him before his official visit. So, uh, those are two guys that are here, uh, two guys that I think Miami would like to have. I know that they're pretty high on the Harris kid and I know Garen justice really likes, uh, McCoy. So it's going to be interesting in terms of what happens this weekend. Cause again, David, the timeline that yeah. we're sort of laying out, this is like a potential reality, uh, where Absolutely. it's Saturday afternoon. It's, uh, you know, everything's going well. These guys are at, uh, what is it? The, not the least, Flamingo, the, the, I mean, whatever. They're at they're Rusty, Pelican. Dinner, the Rusty Pelican. Sorry, I got all my, my bird restaurants. I was thinking about the Lazy Flamingo in Sanibel. The Rusty Pelican uh, over in Biscayne Bay. Uh, uh, this could just happen. And I, I guess what theoretically could happen is they could probably come back next week because when there's a new head coaching cert, when there's a new head coach in place, you get that official visit back so theoretically uh you know they could be on their official visit this weekend and they could come back the weekend of the 10th which is the weekend before early signing period on the 15th and they can just run this whole thing back so this could be an extremely awkward situation myself personally i'm pretty thankful that it's not like program changing recruits that are on campus this weekend it's two guys um you know again not that to say that they're not good players or whatever it is but it's not like you know, you're not, you're not hosting a, a Wesley Besaint and a Nigel e. Kelly this weekend, you know, where all this is happening. You're hosting two guys that are out of area and stuff like that. So yeah, um, this could be one of the most interesting official visit weekends I've covered. Um, interested to see how this all plays out. And yeah, man, I think that and, it's, yeah, go ahead. And what you're speaking to it, it also, it goes for guys who like took official visits during the summer. Right. Oh, so yeah. You know, if guys visited back in June uh, and, and Miami makes a coaching change, theoretically, they could take another official visit to Miami to spend time with Mario Cristobal, right? Um, which could get them back in the game, quite frankly, but, you know, hypothetically uh, with guys. Like, for instance, let's, here's an easy segue, Wesley Bassaint right? Yeah. Miami Central four-star linebacker set to make a decision. What Saturday? Saturday. Yeah. Saturday at 5 PM. On so CBS where, HQ. where do you think things stand now Friday morning going into that potential, that decision? And we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, you know, I know 24 seven sports is Andrew Ivins. He talked to Wesley 
on, I, I guess, yesterday on, on Thursday. And, you know, he came away with the impression that the pick could potentially be Florida State. I don't think anything's official. I don't think he dropped a crystal ball or anything like that. But um, it, feel, it feels like Florida State could potentially be in the best position, uh, you know, heading into this, this commitment for, for, for Bassain. And, you know, again, this is a guy Miami's been recruiting since he was like a sophomore. Uh, you know, he's been a Manny Diaz guy. And, you know, to see him pick Florida State would be, you know, obviously hurtful bad. for the program. Yeah, it would be bad. I mean, there, there's no way to really spin that. That would just be that would be a that'd be a big recruiting loss. But let's say again, David, in this situation, which you were sort of alluding to, let's say Wesley Bassaint commits to Florida State on Saturday, and then Miami hires Mario Cristobal on Saturday, Sunday, and then what an official visit weekend might look like that December 10th in this hypothetical situation. If right. Mario Cristobal becomes the head coach at Miami could be massive, like could be absolutely ridiculous. Like I could see a situation where it's just like a ton of dudes come down to see yes. like what that last weekend is to give Miami sort of that last chance to see if, are we going to buy in on this? And it's, it's not going to, I mean, not that it's, it wouldn't be a well thought out decision, but Mario Cristobal is going to have to lay the foundation. would have to lay the foundation on that final official, official visit weekend. And I think that that could potentially be successful given his recruiting resume and how he's right. sort of been able to recruit guys. So I don't think that even, let's say, a Wesley Bassaint commits to a Florida State on Saturday. Again, let's say Miami does make this move and they are able to sort of close on a Mario Cristobal type. I mean, I'm not super convinced that right. Mario Cristobal would just be locked out of that one. I think that he would have a chance to make his way back into it. So I don't know what's going to happen there. It's going to be very interesting, but... Again, let's say Miami does go come full circle here and make this happen. I am circling December 10th on my calendar because I think that that would just be absolutely nuts. Let me ask you this. And, and again, this is hypothetical, right? On the flip side, if Miami does make that move away from Manny Diaz and brings in Mario Cristobal, who is the one guy you look at first and say, okay, he's probably on decommit watch? On decommit watch for Miami? Correct. Um, that's interesting. I could see, I could see all, I could see multiple guys and I could see like none of the guys. I think the first one that I would probably look to if a move's made on Manny is I'd probably look at Kamari Rogers. Um, yeah. he's going to officially visit Mississippi state, uh, this coming weekend. Um, you know, I think that Mississippi state's just in a good, a good spot there period. You know, I think that they could potentially flip, uh, Kamari Rogers regardless of what happens. But I think if Manny Diaz and those guys stay, I think that would give them the best shot. So right. I might be looking at Kamari Rogers if I was just like setting okay. like betting lines, I would probably put it on him. It'll be an interesting time one way or the other. Uh, we will follow it all, report on it all. We will end the podcast here. So appreciate everyone listening once again. Uh, you know, stay locked onto the website over the weekend. Uh Maybe check your podcast feeds for instant reaction if news does drop. And uh, I'm sure if a change is made, we will have some sort of sale for a subscription to InsideTheU.com. So look out for that as well. Support this podcast, support the website. We appreciate all of you who already do. So with that, we wait. Cross fingers, cross toes, and uh, again, let's see how the chips fall. So, till next time, everybody, take care.
CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.